Today we are celebrating both a baptism and Holy Communion. That doesn't happen often, so today we're going to explore what sacraments are all about. To talk about sacraments, we have to first talk about God's Word and how it works on us. God's Word has power. In Genesis 1, God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God spoke the universe into existence. He created it with His Word. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through Him all things were made, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Jesus is God's Word made flesh. God's Word with skin on. We come to know Jesus primarily in three ways. The written Word, the spoken Word, and the visible Word. The written Word, of course, is the Bible. God's Word written down for us. This rich library of songs and prayers and sermons and prophecies and stories of God's people wrestling with their faith in the God who shapes and uh, creates and shapes our lives. The spoken word is God's word proclaimed or preached to us. God called Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the prophets to speak his word to his people, to confront and challenge and comfort them. The book of Hebrews begins with these words. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things with his powerful word. God has spoken to us through His Son, Jesus. That Word spoken to us creates faith in our hearts by making us believe and trust in God's promises. In Romans, Paul writes, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. We can read God's Word for ourselves, but we also need to hear it proclaimed, hear it spoken to us and for us. God's Word is spoken to you when you're in worship, when you're in Bible study, when you're reading a Bible story to your grandkids or singing along to a Christian song on the radio in the car. It helps strengthen your faith. It helps you believe. God is so good that He not only gives us the written word and the spoken word, but He also brings His word to us in ways that we can see and taste and touch. The visible word. We call them sacraments. So, what's a sacrament? If you look all the way through your Bible, you won't find the word sacrament. The only place that you can sort of find it if you had a Latin Bible is in Ephesians 5, where 
Paul is talking about how a husband and wife are joined together, and he applies that picture to Christ and the church. He says the way that they come together is a mystery. And when it was translated from Greek into Latin, the Latin word that they chose was sacramentum, which is where we get the word sacrament. It means something sacred, something set apart, something holy. Over the years, it was applied to a variety of things that people felt somehow mysteriously conveyed God's grace. Ways that people experienced God's love in a way that was beyond our understanding. The Roman Catholic Church has seven sacraments. Baptism, communion, confirmation, marriage, holy orders, which are vows to become a priest or monk or nun, reconciliation, which is confession or penance, and anointing of the sick, which used to be known as the last rites. Now, 500 years ago, when Martin Luther started the Reformation, he asked, what is it that makes a sacrament sacred? What makes a sacrament holy? What is a sacrament? The definition that he came up with has three parts. First of all, it's a gift of God's grace. Somehow, the sacrament has a specific promise from God's Word attached to it. Secondly, it's commanded by Christ. It's something that Jesus told us to do. Sometimes the sacraments are called ordinances because they were ordered by Christ. And then finally, it has a physical element attached, something visible that Christ tells us to use. Now, I had all the Holy Communion Faith Stepping Stones kids chant this with me, so I'll have you guys do that too. So those three things... So what is a sacrament? It's a gift of God's grace, commanded by Christ, physical element attached. One more time. Gift of God's grace, commanded by Christ, physical element attached. Those three things. Now, so Luther then looked at the seven Roman Catholic sacraments and said, do these really fit that definition? What were those three things again? Gift of... Commanded by physical element attached. There you go. And he said, you know, not all of these things fit that. Um, You know, not all of these have a specific promise from God's Word. Not all of these things, Jesus didn't tell us to do all of these things. Um, And a lot of these don't have a physical element attached. In fact, Luther really wanted to keep reconciliation, uh, you know, confession and forgiveness as one of the sacraments. Uh, but there was no physical element attached to it. Uh, the only ones that met all three criteria were baptism and communion, exactly. So Luther asks, well, where does Christ command us to do these two things? The first place is in Luke 22. You know, Jesus said to his disciples the night that he was betrayed, do this in remembrance of me. Celebrate Holy Communion in remembrance of me. And then at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. 
Well, then what are God's promises that go along with these sacraments? In Mark 16, Jesus says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then in Acts 2, Peter told the people that had gathered together to find out what was going on with all of this noise that they heard and all these people speaking in other languages, And they wanted to know what they needed to do to be saved. And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The other thing that Jesus said was, this is my body, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. So Luther then looked at these passages and said, these sacraments bring about forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation to all who believe. Now, wait a minute. How can water, bread, and wine do all of that? Forgiveness? Life? Salvation? Well, Martin Luther answers in his small catechism, which was you know, originally written for parents to teach their kids, not for pastors to teach confirmation class. He says, it's not the water and the bread and the wine or our eating and drinking and getting dunked or splashed. It's God's word with the water and bread and wine and faith that receives God's promises. We receive forgiveness, life, and salvation by faith, by trusting what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. The sacraments serve as visible reminders tangible things that remind us and connect us to what Christ has done for us. That's why they're often called means of grace, because they're ways that God's love touches our lives. They point us to Christ, who suffered and died on the cross to forgive and save us. On the cross, He took your curse, your pain and separation from God, upon himself. He gave his life to set you free from the power of sin, death, and the devil. The sacraments help us experience an undeserved gift of God's grace that brings us forgiveness, a transformed life here and now that lasts forever. Now, some Christians think that the sacraments are only symbols, just reminders, things to jog our memory. But others, like Luther, wonder, wait a minute, isn't God doing something here? It's, this isn't just something that we do, splash some water, drink some wine, eat some bread, but it's actually something that God is doing. Christ commanded us to do these things, so they have actual value and substance. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Jesus is somehow present in this meal and with this water. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says, 
don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now obviously in communion we're not actually chewing Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood. That was one of the things that uh, the Romans uh, held against Christians as they thought they were cannibals. (laughs) We also don't hold people under the water until they physically drown in baptism. But somehow, Scripture asserts, through these things, we share in Jesus' death and in Jesus' resurrection. Somehow, Jesus is present God's Word and the Holy Spirit are at work in us, bringing forgiveness, life, and salvation to those who believe. So, if one ditch people fall into is thinking that the sacraments are just symbols, then the other ditch is thinking that the sacraments are some sort of magic that works all by itself. Imagine a guy coming for Holy Communion, thinking that it's a free get-out-of-trouble-with-God ticket. <laughs> he comes up, you know, gets the bread, slurps down the wine, says, yes, now I'm forgiven. And then he goes right back to living his same sinful life, doing all the same things, no change in his life whatsoever. Is that what God wants? Here at the baptismal font, parents make a strong promise to raise their kids in faith. Chad, you and Allison accepted a big responsibility today, uh, you know, and as you have with your older child as well, to bring your kids up in faith, to bring them to worship, to Uh, teach them. You you are the primary faith teachers for their kids. They will learn from watching you. God is always intended for us to receive the, the sacraments with living faith. Because if we think of baptism and Holy Communion as some sort of holy magic, we end up putting our trust in the water and the bread and the wine, or our act of eating and drinking and getting dunked, rather than putting our trust in God's Word. The water and the bread and the wine are just water and bread and wine without God's Word and faith that trusts that Word. We need visible, tangible reminders to help us experience God's good gifts and grow in faith. We need to hear again and again, this is Christ's body and blood, broken and poured out for you. Jesus gave His life for you. He died for you. In this water, you have been joined to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Follow Him. Trust in His promises and you will live forever. We need to hear again and again that audible proclaimed word along with the visible word and the written word so that we can grow in our walk with Christ. Now, what about someone who isn't able to receive baptism or communion? 
In some Muslim countries today, Christians have to live out their faith secretly. If they announced to their family that they had been baptized, they could be killed. But remember what happened to the thief on the cross next to Jesus. He cried out to Jesus, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus promised him, today you will be with me in paradise. That thief had never been baptized. That thief had never received communion. And yet Jesus promised him eternal life. What's important is faith and trust in Christ. That verse in Mark 16 doesn't say whoever is not baptized will be condemned. It says whoever does not believe will be condemned. Whoever doesn't receive God's promises through faith. The sacraments are also not dependent on the person who presides over them. (laughs) If so, you're all in trouble. (laughs) It's, It's not as if the pastor or priest has some sort of magic power that somehow makes them work. No, the effectiveness of the sacraments depends on the power of God's Word. Even our faith, by which we receive God's gift, is not ours to brag about. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Even faith is a gift. It's evidence of God's Word at work in you. We come to be baptized and we come to receive the Lord's Supper because Christ commands us to do so. We don't go relying on the prayers of other people or on our feeble faith, but relying on God's command and promise. The sacraments show us God's love and send us to share it with others. Jesus has given us a new and living way into God's presence. So, let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for the one who promised is faithful. Even when we mess up, even when our faith wavers, God is still faithful. So let's consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let's meet regularly, not like some who think they can go it alone. Let's encourage one another and all the more as we see the day of Christ approaching. Amen.